What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 90 and 60 Plus. We were gone last week, but we're back this week. My name is Christian Yall, and I'm joined here this week with some good friends. We got Aldo in the house. Aldo, how are you this week? I'm good, my man. Uh, just chilling. You know, another week with the baby. Man, another week of football. So it's all good. Yeah, man, I'm doing all right. You know, this uh, past weekend was frustrating for sports. I mean, we'll get into that later, but yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but I'm all good, man. You know, can't complain. I'm alive, I'm breathing. We also got with us Saul. Saul, how you doing, man? How's this week been treating you? Yeah, you know, um, same boat as you guys, you know, can't complain. Bad week in sports, but, you know, it's just can't really complain. But it's been, overall, I'd say it's a good week. So Chris can't be with us here this week, guys, but the three of us will just march on and hey, we kind of just talked about it. There's no script. We're really just going to shoot the shit here. So let's talk about that bad week we've been having, y'all. Me personally, man, I mean, it wasn't a bad week. It was just really, really a bad Sunday. All the teams I've been supporting, bro, they've been either knocked out or just losing. You know, you got Barca, you got my MSU Denver Roadrunners. I was going for the Mariners in baseball. They're out. The Dodgers are out. Yankees might be out. It's just been a tough week, man. But, <laughs> you know... uh, like I said, we're not, we don't really have a script, so let's just talk about whatever, and what do you guys want to start with? I mean, we didn't talk about a bad week. I think we have to go um, like a week back and start where it all started, which is, uh, well, at least for me and you, it was a Barca Inter match, man. That just disappointing, very disappointing match in my opinion. It's just, you know, for the second time in a row, we're about to go down to the Europa League. You know, there's still a sliver of hope. You know, we got to hope uh, Inter loses to Victoria and we we, we be um, Inter, we be uh, Victoria Pilsen and Bayern. But I'm not saying it's impossible, but I do see that very hard to happen. But, yeah, it's disappointing. Europa League two years in a row, especially. I mean, you can't completely blame it because, I mean, our whole defense practically got injured at the worst time possible. The hardest month for us. And, you know, ended up costing us. So, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, man. the That Inter game, though, the second one especially, it was pretty entertaining. You know, when Lewandowski notched one back, you know, Barca fans, there was a slimmer of hope. But all that pretty much was deflated this, uh, this past week. And then, you know, you go off the Champions League result, you go off of El Clasico. And I saw a stat recently how Xavi has, I think, a 51 or 52 win percentage. And that's really low for Barca managers that have played a certain amount of games and yeah it's just hard times being a Barca fan man but you know you and I were talking about this earlier how you know do fans live up to how their team are playing or the results on the field and it's always been tricky with Barca but I don't know man I think uh even the style of football we've been playing has been not the most attractive you know it's just long balls into the area like like you said when we were watching El Clasico it felt like Coleman was at was in the sideline once again yeah, man, we just, we just, it's just like we try to play how we usually play, you know. I wouldn't even say quick passes because it's just, we pass all slow, but, you know, we try to pass, break them down. But it just seems like if that doesn't work, then we just start, like, uh, like we tossing balls into the area and hoping someone get up the end of them. I mean, it's, it's almost like um, if teams have figured us out, you know, it's like they know Shabby likes to use the wings. So all and then they isolate and then Lewandowski's isolated in the middle. So teams practically figured this out. You know they just uh, they just double team the two wingers, and then that leaves Lewandowski isolated in the middle by himself. And 
that's pretty much it. You just eliminate Xavi's whole whole game plan. So it's you know it's uh it's annoying. It's like teams have figured this out and Xavi um, hasn't adapted yet, which is it's, uh, disappointing to see, in my opinion. Because yeah, but I mean, I guess it's the it's part of the learning curves with a somewhat new coach that we have to you know give him time to. Like a lot of people are comparing him to uh, Arteta. And stuff that like, we should give him more time, and w- which I agree we should. But at the same time, it's frustrating, you know, because I think Xavi said it himself. He's like, "This is Barca. Like, there's no transition periods here." He's like, "Winning is not enough." He's like, "Yasha have to win by playing beautiful football." And it's just we haven't lived up to that in these past few weeks. So it's annoying. Yeah, man, Barca sucks. All right, great input. Yeah, I mean that's what I got from all all your guys. Um sharing yeah man i mean it's just disappointing you know it's like with all the signings we made we just uh we thought we would be, do, be doing better and it's just you know who who would you blame more christian though would you blame the team more or would you blame shavi more or i think it's just a very long extensive list of unfortunate circumstances you know the injuries to our back line the injuries up top too the injuries in the squad in general and then you got this clustered schedule the pressure by the fans and there's just a lot we've been really unlucky on the field too you know that Bayern game there was questionable calls that inter game was there was questionable calls and even in El Clasico you know the referee I think it's been more apparent now more than ever that the La Liga president is very much a Madrid fan and he'll do anything in his power to influence referees and matches and some people may say I'm reaching but you just look at the matches and you look at the results and it's kind of obvious at this point so yeah, this, we've just been unfortunate and unlucky, but I don't really blame anyone besides, I guess, the players on the field because they're the ones that control what they're doing with the club. You know, the coach can tell them what to do, but it's up, it's up to them and how they interpret that and how they perform. But no, I think it's a, it's a long list of why things are going the way they are. But, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve, like you said, and we're not going to... We, we're going to go down to the Europa League probably, but we're not going to slump to, you know, outside the top four or be a, a broken club. We're not going to have a fall from grace like AC Milan did all those years ago. You know, there's there's a project there, and we do have the right coach in there, and it's just going to take time. It does suck. Yeah, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to add something more, but I can't remember. But, yeah, man, just disappointing to see. I mean, I, mean, I, yeah. I think... I was going to say, I blame Xavi a little more because we, we can talk about the refereeing all that we want, but in the classical, we're being honest, Eve, regardless, I don't think we deserved the three points. We didn't play well uh, versus Inter. We didn't play well. That game, if, if it wasn't for Ter Stegen, that game would have easily been 7-3, 7-4 maybe, you know? So I don't think we deserved, like, regardless of the refereeing. You know, yeah, we can talk about the one versus... Um, the first game versus Inter, because that one did affect us a lot, because it's like, had we tied versus them at home, there wouldn't have been as much pressure in this game, in this past game, to win, so it would have been maybe a different match, but that, that's the only game where I feel like we can truly say the ref screwed us over. Classical, we didn't deserve more. We played like garbage. Inter, we played like garbage, too. So it's just, it's difficult. I mean, Inter, the only, Bayern, too, we, we played good. It, I don't, uh, we, we lost, you know, plus 
you know, I've always said this, this, the, the football, it's not about deserving. It's about scoring goals. And that's what Bayern did. So it's tough. But yeah, I mean, unless you got anything else to add, I think, uh, I think that's enough about Barca for now before I get more depressed. Yeah. What about you all though? Talk to us about United. They're not, you know, the biggest club right now. They never, they haven't been for a while. How's, how have they been these past couple of weeks? I mean, besides from the Derby, they've they've been all right. I mean, it was a uh, they had to scruff out the win against uh, what was it o- Osnia at the Europa League. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah great performance nil. by that goalkeeper, bro. Yeah, yeah, very great performance. I mean, I think he had like what twenty something saves uh, that night. That was, that was insane. Insane, yeah. But and then a draw against Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool uh, against Newcastle, which I have mixed feelings about that one. Just because we we had we didn't create as many chances as we could have, you know, and especially coming back from a game where we did create so many chances. So, but other than that, eh? I mean, it's all right. <laughs> I see what you did there. And I knew you would get it. Hell yeah. Nah, but yeah, man. Dude, honestly, that Newcastle game, I was kind of surprised. Like, I mean, I think it's well worth, well worth mentioning that Newcastle's a pretty good team this year. You know, they got the right players in the squad, and they've been performing well. But if you look at the starting lineup, you know, you got, uh, who was it, Antony and Sancho and Casemiro and Fernandez all starting. And you're just like, wow, this team can... This is arguably United's biggest and strongest lineup, but 0-0 with Newcastle, good opponent, but at home you expect United to win. Exactly, you know, um, but no one took the whole three points to, uh, you know, one point each. But, man, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's enough about our teams. Uh, I kind of want to focus this week's pod on, you know, just football as a whole, as a general, so... I think one team, especially in the Premier League, while we're talking about United, well, let's talk about the crosstown rival. And Chris isn't here, so he can spend you know only a little bit of time on this. But City, bro, I mean, this past weekend, big match against Liverpool, and a lot of people expected City to blow them out of the water, given the form that those two teams were on, and kind of a lucky win for for Liverpool, in my opinion. You know that assist from Allison that Cancelo should have done better to clear, but you know Holland had his chances as well as City and Liverpool. They were just clinical. Um, if I had known, or if I would have remembered that Van Dyke is still undefeated at Anfield with Liverpool, I would have never said that, you know, City would have won 4-1 or 5-1, whatever I predicted. I would have at least gone for a draw. But now what that does do is opens up a bit of a gap for Arsenal at the top. They're now four points ahead of City, and City and Spurs are tied on points, and the top five in the Premier League are more traditional. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see City lose. Even though it wasn't, uh, even though it wasn't expected, because you know Arsenal, I would love to see them win the Premier League come the end of the season. I think they're for real, and this just gives them a bigger boost. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, City losing some points there against Liverpool is a big, big boost to Arsenal. Um, you know, we're only what nine games in, right? I think ten. Some some teams ten? have played nine. Yeah. So well, you know, we're we're in the I guess we can say almost reaching the first third of the season. And nobody wins, you know, the league at that time. So, but 
big, big boost for Arsenal. Hopefully they keep that momentum going and we'll see what happens in uh, when is it May or, or June that ends this year because of the World Cup. Yeah, something like that, but yeah. And then we also got to see what kind of disruption the World Cup does. You know, what if the World Cup, you know, d- disrupts heavily Arsenal's momentum and that it gives a very well-deserved break to like players like for City or, or you know, for Liverpool, especially since they have quite a injury crisis, you know. So we'll, we'll see what the World Cup plays as well. So you got any thoughts on this? No, man, I think you covered it. I mean, at the beginning, I said it was a disappointing week. And I mean, I think that also includes Liverpool City game. Not because I expect the City to win, but more so because I, um, I expect it to be action-packed. And I did miss the first half, so but the second half was, in my opinion, boring. Not, not that entertaining of a half. Not something you'd expect from a Liverpool City match, I guess. That's how I could best describe it, but... Yeah, I think you covered it. You know, I think Liverpool did get a bit lucky. But as I said before, this game isn't about deserving. It's about scoring goals. And that's what uh, Liverpool did. I mean, I did watch, like, the last, the second half. And, told, like, I think Darwin Nunez came on. He could have easily made it 3 now. I think he missed one chance. There was another chance where he, I think he could have passed it to Salah or someone else. But he was just selfish and decided to take the shot. It was crazy. This was a three-on-one. And he decided to go by himself and ended up just getting a shot blocked, which was just it was, it was just stupid decision by him. So yeah. Real quick, did you guys see that uh, VAR call against Holland when I they heard scored? It was Briefly, but I haven't seen it. They called it yeah. for a foul prior to the play, right? Yeah, where Holland um, kind of dragged Fabinho. Well, not dragged. He he grabbed him by the shirt. And like hold him down, I guess. Seen it, but I don't. To me, to me, it looks like he was pulled down because of the slow motion factor that comes with VAR. Because if you look at it, just you know, just in live, it just looks like you know, Holland beat him off the ball. I think, I think that's the problem with VAR is because. A lot of the stuff looks a lot worse slowed down. Like um, like we saw it this past week, and me and you, Christian, in the Barca game where they call that penalty on Barca. Like, at first look, it didn't look like a penalty, but then you slow it down, and you're just like, yeah, that looks like a penalty. But there's, it's not just that one. There's been so much calls like that where VR slows it down, and you're just like, man, that's it's just the slow motion makes it look so much worse. So I, I guess that's one of the pros and cons about it, you know? Yeah, I agree. But hey, while we're talking about disappointments, I want to shine a little bit of a light on a league that's been a big disappointment for me all season, and it hasn't been one that I would have expected, but the Bundesliga, man. I mean, we got Del Klassiker two weeks ago, ended in a draw. Um, Some would say very fortunate for Dortmund. But, you know, after that, you expect Dortmund and Bayern to go on this kind of like tear of momentum, but no, quite the opposite. Dortmund, they lost to top-of-the-table Union Berlin, whereas Bayern, they beat Freiburg, who I think was in third or second going into this game, 5-0. So now the Bundesliga table is, you know, pretty pretty odd. <laughs> it's uh, Union Berlin with, in first with 23, excuse me, 23 points, Bayern in second with 19, and Dortmund, dude, they're currently in eighth. Uh, Leipzig, they're also in 10th, so 
it's very weird over in Germany. Y'all have any thoughts on that? I mean, you say disappointing, but I say interesting. I mean, I haven't been watching it, but it is finally good to see, um, um, I guess I'd say some competition, you know? Like the Bundesliga, I guess I would say it looks alive, you know? It looks, at least for this part of the season, the first part of the season, it looks like um, like Bayern are going to have to actually fight for it if they want it. It looks like they're not going to be able to coast. Like in the past years, by this time, you know, you'd be like, all right, Bayern's in first place. They're going to stay there. But it looks, you know, they're... Um, what are they, four points behind? So it looks like they're going to have to struggle a bit, fight a bit. And then especially because Leroy Sané, who I think was this past few weeks, have been their best player. I think he he's out, I want to say, six weeks, but I'm not completely sure on that. I think it's shorter, but, you know, it looks like Bayern's going to have an uphill battle, at least this part. And you, who knows, you know, they a lot of their players play for Germany, you know. Going to, if Union Berlin goes into World Cup leading, you know, who knows what happens in the World Cup. Maybe Bayern gets unfortunate if a few other players get injured. And then, you know, then it's really going to be an uphill battle. Maybe it even, like, uh, diminishes their confidence if they're, in, like, second, third place going into the World Cup. So, well, you say disappointing. I say interesting for the first time in a while. I- I'd say there's been disappointing teams, such as Dortmund and Leipzig. But the league overall, I'd say, has been interesting. Yeah, I'm just going to agree with Saul there. It's definitely... It's bringing back more attention to the league. You know, more people are going to maybe going to watch it because, hey, this might not be Bayern's year. This might not be, you know, a good old Bayern winning it from the get-go. So, yeah, definitely much more interesting as well. Yeah, because, you know, people don't love anything more than watching big team fails. Like, I compare Bayern kind of like... I don't know if you guys watch uh, NCAA football, but they're kind of like like the Alabama football. You know, they're just so good every year that you're just like, all right, they're going to win it. And then whenever they do lose or people see them struggling, they love it. They're just like, yeah, screw this team. Like, let's see, let's see, let's see if uh, they keep losing and stuff. So I think that's what's going on with Bayern now. People are just loving uh, watching, loving uh, watch them fail. So, yeah. Bro, and then speaking about Alabama, they actually just lost this Sunday. Yeah, I know, dude. Or that's Saturday. what I was thinking about it. Yeah. And they like, they <laughs> fucking destroyed the whole stadium after this. That's crazy. Bro, oh, yeah, they took the goalpost. Dude, I was watching. Oh, yeah, the fans, uh, we, yeah. the fans, uh, they, they stormed the field, right? And it was a team that was 0 and 6 or something or 0 and 5. No, the they, they were, were they were both undefeated nine. coming yeah. in. It's just, I think Alabama hadn't lost a game to them, I think, 15 years. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I do, but I was watching it. And I think it was like I saw Alabama marching down the field. It was like thirty seconds left or something. They got a field goal range, and I was like, "Yeah, this shit's over." So I turned it off. <laughs> then I went and I checked it. I was like, All right, "Let's see if they actually lost." And I checked it, bro, and that's how they won. And I was like, "No way!" I was like, I was "Yeah," I was pissed, bro. I was like, "No, they missed the field goal." And then, bro, it was a good game, but that's that's another type of football, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the American football, college football, at least. Yeah, but that's just it. Just it just reminded me of that because, like, dude, everyone loves to watch them fail. Like, like if you go on, um, you go on Reddit, like you go to the the Reddit page of uh, the college football. That's like one of their top posts ever. Is Alabama losing? So, yeah, that's what I compare Bayern to. They're just such a powerhouse that whenever they do lose or struggle, people just love it. So. Yeah, man, and, and I can see why, you know. It makes perfect sense because 
except for the people that go for that team, they get, you know, people get tired of of it, of it being the same one every time. The yeah, same team winning it back and back again. Like, yeah. it, it needs, it always needs some time to, to change, you know, have someone new. And again, this is why the Premier League is, is just the best league in the world for that reason. You never really know who's going to win it. Dude, I mean, City's won it four out of the last five years. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, it, that doesn't compare to what I, I mean. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been more competitive. You're right. It's just like City has won it every four out of five years. But staying on Bundesliga, do you guys actually... You actually see Union Berlin keeping this form up. You actually see them as title cha- challengers. I think would be how I'd pose the question. Who? Union Berlin, the team in first place right now. Oh man! I mean, they got the best defense. I think. Well, to yeah, they, to be where they are now, they they're doing a lot of things right. It's just a question of can they keep doing that as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I find it really hard to believe if they can. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Arsenal. Are Arsenal for real in the Premier League? Like, are, are they a legit title challenger? And I said yes to Arsenal, but Union Berlin, I have a really hard time wrapping my brain around them actually winning the Bundesliga. Don't get me wrong, it'd be great, but you just got to you gotta believe at some point Bayern's going to pick it up. And that, that happened a few seasons ago, not too long ago, where... They got a, such a poor start, but then they pick momentum back up, like after winter break, and they went on this tear. And you know, you you can never count Bayern out with the squad and the talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But as I said, it's like it's like the thing. Like they make up a lot of the German national team, and if they go into the World Cup, maybe second place, you know, and they get unfortunate with some injuries or something, especially how it's so tight filled. You know, it's like it, it could start raising some doubts for them. Like, can we actually do this? And then we've also heard like the rumors that they don't really that they're questioning the coach's tactics. That some of them don't understand what he's trying to get at and stuff like that. So it would be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. All right. While we're on the topic of farmers' leagues, I think it's worth mentioning the league. On. I mean. It's been interesting because last week, or two weeks ago, PSG tied no-no with Rennes. But then this past week, they picked up the win in El Classique. I think Mbappe picked up the lone goal. And there's all, no, it was actually Neymar. But no, there's all these rumors. I'm sure you guys heard of them of how Mbappe wanted out of the club and how he was demanding to leave in January. But he's since come out and said that, that it's all fake and he has no intention to leave. But I don't know, man. I still feel like there's some egos going on over in Paris. I think Mbappe really wants Neymar and Messi to be his sidekicks. And if he doesn't get that, he might, it might not be in January, but I don't see him. I wouldn't put it past him leaving in the summer. Yeah, man. I mean, um, and there's a couple of things I want to talk here. I, I guess sticking on the Mbappe subject, uh, I, I, it's just so many reliable reporters. I've said it for Pizzo Romano, uh, Mario Cortejana, or Cortagana, I don't know how, how he says it. Uh, there was a couple of the French reporters that were tier ones reporting. It's like there's definitely some truth to it. Um, there was a rumor saying that, as what you said, you know, it's practically he wants to be the the leader of the project, and he says that with Neymar and Mbappe, with Neymar and Messi, he can't really be that. And there's also like supposedly promises broken. One of the promises that 
was that they were going to get rid of Neymar and then Lewandowski would be the forward and then that way he could play out left and then they didn't get Lewandowski so now he has to play as the forward. He doesn't want to play as a forward. He wants to be a left winger and whatnot. So there's a lot behind it, but I definitely think it's true. And I think, um, what's his name, Florentino Perez, the, the president of Real Madrid, I think he said it best. He's like, poor guy must already be regretting it. And he was right. I mean, I mean, everyone was right. I mean, we all said he should have left PSG. We said it's like, um, what's it called, like a golden jail cell, you know? It's like they give you a lot of money, but you could never leave. Kind of like Las Vegas, you know? It's like they try to keep you there as much as you can. It's tempting, but it's always best to leave whenever you can. And, yeah, I just think Mbappe messed up staying there. I think he should have taken his out when he had it. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, I, th- I think Mbappe was going to be... If he would have gone to Real Madrid, he could have been, you know, the best signing the world has ever seen, honestly. Because, let's be honest, a talent like that, what he's done at, at 23, it's it's no messy. It's no messy, but it's still a great achievement. You know, World Cup winner at, what, 20... What was it, 21? 19. 19. 19. Yeah. World Cup winner at 19. How many 19-year-olds, you know, won the World Cup? Pele. Yeah, Pele, I was about to say this, about it. Exactly. Exactly. He's only the second on that list. So I think it's a great achievement from him. And he would have been, I think he would easily break Ronaldo's record at Real Madrid if he would have gone. But, you know, that's that's a what if. Yeah. I mean, now he's stuck. Are, stuck for a while. The other interesting thing that one of the reports said that was from a reliable one was that they said that Messi, that he saw that Messi now holds as much power in the locker room as uh, as he did in Barca, and that he said that that was, um, it was, a. Uh, he said he didn't think it was uh, the correct environment, the ideal environment, and to win a Champions League. So I, I thought that was interesting, because, I mean, you, you guys know Messi's my favorite player, but it's always interesting, because you've always heard the stories. I mean, he even has the nickname, The Little Dictator. So it's always interesting. I like to hear about what goes because we all imagine Messi. We all know him as a super nice guy, but it's always interesting when you hear these things behind the scenes about like the demands and stuff he makes. So that is interesting to me, at least. It's just too many egos, man. That's why Pochettino couldn't cut it there. I don't know if uh, Christoph Galtier is the right man, but I don't know if any club is the right club with Mbappe in it. But hey, we'll see what happens. I guess it's gonna be. An interesting season in Paris, for sure, especially if they don't win the Champions League. I'll be honest. I think PSG really needs a coach that, you know, can really grab it by the horns, you know. I think to- I think that was another one of the things, is that supposedly he was promised Sinedine Sedan was going to be the, the coach. And I think another thing that's pissed him off is that uh, Luis Campos, the guy that was brought in as a sporting director, was that, he wasn't allowed to like uh have us. I don't know what the correct word is here, but um, he wasn't allowed to make as much decisions as he was promised. So it was kind of like I, I what I what I got from this whole thing is practically Nasir Al Khalafi is practically the the troublemaker there. Like if they got rid of him, like it would be a much better club. 
Bro, you know who they need as coach? They need a fucking Tuca Ferretti. He takes no shit from no one. Oh my god, I can just imagine. Que le esté gritando, wey, a Vinci Messi. Así, cabrones. Y'all seen that video of him in training? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I remember back in high school, we did that shit. I remember fucking. Who was I think it was not, not this, although the other, although they were doing that the whole practice. And like, anytime someone would miss it, they'd just be like, Así, no. Ahí, no es. Like, allá tampoco es aquí. And they were like, Así, cabrones. And they were just doing that, like, every training. <laughs> yeah, that guy takes nothing from no one. Anyways, I mean, we talked about every other league besides Serie A. I just want to mention the fact that I just want to quickly mention the fact that Chucky's scoring an absurd amount of goals. Not an absurd amount of goals, but you know he's got like three so far, so that's cool. Yeah, three in the last three games, I think. But but before you talk about Serie A, I was going to say quickly in league on. Do y'all know who's in second place without looking, without Googling? Do y'all know who's in second place? In League One? Yeah. Isn't it Lil? I thought it was Nice. Nah. No. Nah. It's this club called Lorien. Oh, the orange? Is it, is it logo? Is it, is it Crest Orange? Yeah. FC mm-hmm. Lorien. They're on 26 oh. points, three I, behind PSG. I, I, they're tied against PSG? No, on point? three points. Three points behind them. Three then, points behind PSG. Damn, that's not yeah. bad. Yeah, and then right behind them is Lens in third place. Marseille in fourth. And then Renat, Rennes, or whatever, how the hell you pronounce it, is in fifth. It's crazy. It's crazy. Nice is all the way in 13th. Damn. Uh, Lyon, 10th. Lille, 7th. And Monaco, 6th. Monaco, oh yeah, Mon- I I do know Monaco was in pretty bad form. Yeah, it's just crazy. Lorient, I, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't see, I just want to see Lorient being second at the end of the season. It, it is interesting that 11 matches in their second. Bro, you don't you don't see it? No, I don't. Bro, I can, I can kind of see them being the I'm next gonna, champions, if I'm being honest. You know what I think happens? Is or at least they- PSG a run for their money. Maybe, but I think what happens is that we see that, I think we see it every year, whether it's Marseille, Lyon, Monaco, whoever, whoever finishes in Champions League, then struggles the next season to qualify for the Champions League again because I think they don't have squad depth or, you know, the money to get as much players as they want. So and it's just like they focus on the Champions League. So when they struggle in the league and then if, if they get eliminated or something, then they're just like, then they start focusing on the league. It's just like, They've fallen way too far behind and they can't make up the points. Big That's facts. just my theory. I don't know. You know, not everyone can pump out oil like PSG. Shit, I mean. But can you can you really see it, though? Can, does I mean, that not, I mean, in, now that I started my theory, that, I think it is possible. Just because I think the other teams will focus on other competitions. And then Lorient, like last year, I think they might have been like upper half of the table. I'm not sure. It, like upper half of the mid table. Like I want to say seventh, eighth place. I'm not sure. And yeah. Then, 
four somewhere around there. I think nine. So to seem not second surprising, but yeah, with my theory, I think they they could because you know these other teams will focus on Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, whatever. So it might be possible for them to, you know, sneak in there in second place. Maybe maybe even give PSG a run for the money. Who knows? See, see what happens in the near future. Yeah. I mean, hey, Serie A, Napoli's in first place. Atalanta, second. I did, but when we do the predictions, I want to say, I want to say there was going to be a, a, an Atalanta resurgence, but I didn't because I was just like, nah, they've let me down before. So I just kept quiet, but I was like, they'll qualify to Europe, whether that's Conference or Europa League. But they're in second place right now. Milan in third, Roma in fourth. It's again looking like the most interesting title race. I mean, the difference between first and fourth is four points. I mean, Inter sitting seventh. Inter and Juve at seventh and eighth place is crazy. I mean, A, you got to feel for Juve with their coach. Nah, that's, that's another Alabama situation. We love to see him down there. I mean, they fell last season, so I, I thought this would be kind of resurgence season. Nah, I mean, I, I I would feel nah. better. Screw you, if the coach wasn't so shit. Like if they had a good coach, like Byron has, like Byron has Nagelsmann, who's an elite coach. If they had someone like that, then I'd be like, oh yeah. But here, like the reason I don't get as much satisfaction is because I know it's because of their coach. Like I know their coach is shit. Like if they hired someone else, they'd be a lot better. But like right here, it's just their coach. But if they fired him and got someone else, and they were still shit, I'd be like, ah, the team's just garbage. And then I'd be like, yeah, but it's not like that. I think it's the team and the no. I think it's the coach and the defense. I mean, dude, that defense—it's probably like one of the worst in City. Ah, honestly, I mean, Kalini. I don't think he started the past two games, but they got Danilo playing center back, and they got a couple other young players. I don't know if they're academy players or they're brought in from other clubs, but dude, that defense—it's just been. I feel like ever since Benucci left, uh, it's been downhill, and even when he came back, it was still downhill. <laughs> I think you confused them. I think you meant to say Bonucci. I think you meant to say Kalini left and Bonucci stayed. No, it was a joke when Kalini or Bonucci left for AC Milan, but then he was still shit there, and then he came back. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but no, they've been. They had it with Delict, and even when Delict was there, he wasn't you know a world beater or nothing. But Juve, dude, I don't know. It's just the they need to sort out that defense quick because that's what's costing yeah. them. You know. It was crazy with uh, the link. It looked like he had actually regressed. Yeah. I mean, that might just be the because even now at Bayern, he's not really playing much. He's not really looking that impressive. But I don't know. I don't want to say anything. He's he's still young. He can still come one of the world's best center backs in a few years' time. But no, dude, said, yeah. Like you mentioned, I think Napoli especially, they're, I think they're with an outside shout not to only win the league, but I think they're a pretty strong opponent in the Champions League. We've seen them dismantle, you know, teams like Ajax recently. I think did they play Liverpool in the Champions League? They did, right? Yeah, the first game they beat them. I think four two. Four one, they, dude. Like, destroyed four one. Yeah, they destroyed them, though. They could have won by more. Yeah, um, I mean the Champions League. That's a another league I want to talk about. But yeah, dude, Serie A, and you know you got Roma with Paulo Dybala and Abraham up top, slowly creeping in. I think they're in fourth place right now. Milan, you know we want to. 
bag more on Juve. You know, you Milan just beat Juventus 2-0 not too long ago. A brilliant performance by Leal. And yeah, City out to that top four. Really exciting. You know, you got Napoli, Atalanta, Milan, Roma. It's really a toss-up as who's going to win the league. And I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I want to mention on Juve quickly. I heard this, it was kind of a theory, but someone's like, dude, they're like, if you watch these last few Juventus games, uh, you can just tell the players don't rate the coach anymore because they're like, bro, it doesn't even look like the players are trying. It looks like the players are sabotaging the coach. Like, they want to get rid of him. And that that's maybe why they didn't, um, weren't trying as hard in the Champions League because they were hoping maybe they got eliminated in Champions League they'd get rid of the coach. But instead, they just doubled down and and said, yeah, he's our coach for the future. So, hey, I mean, I, mean, I don't understand either because Allegri, He's played the Champions League final twice, so it's just like, bro. Like, he was even being touted by Real Madrid to be their next coach before Ancelotti, so it's just like, I don't know what's going wrong, but I don't remember him playing this bad of football. And it's not like he has bad players, because he has decent players, but that's just crazy. Indeed. I mean, so those midweek matches for the leagues this upcoming week and then after that the Champions League is back and there's only two match weeks before the group stage ends so we more or less have now a better idea of you know who's going to make the knockout stage we already mentioned Barcelona how they can get knocked out and go to the Europa League but so I think you mentioned in the group chat like a couple weeks ago like the Europa League can be very interesting this year you know you got Atletico, Barca, potentially either Liverpool or Ajax, um, Juventus it can be a really good uh, knockout stage for the Europa League yeah, and then not even that, because, I mean, then you got teams like uh, Arsenal, United, uh, Betis, Sociedad, you know. PSV. PSV is like, in, yeah, PSV. Yeah, you just got teams like that, that. You know, it's just, this might be the best Europa League we've seen in a while. And then, I mean, you forgot to mention Sevilla as well. Sevilla, they haven't been as good, but, you know, it's just, they're a team you can never count out in the Europa League because they want it. I think they're the team that's won it the most. So, and then, I mean, speaking of Champions League, I mean, I think, I think five clubs have qualified already for the round of sixteen. Another Club Bruges, which is a big surprise. Dude, Club Bruges. Listen, I want to shed a little light on them, dude. Three games, one draw, zero losses. They've conceded zero goals in the entire group stage of the Champions League so far. And they played like Soporto, Atletico, Leverkusen. So impressive. And they never qualified for the knockout round in the UCL ever. So congrats to them, man. They deserve it. A huge opportunity for them in the knockout round. I mean, this last game, who was it? Who think the goalie, Simon Mingole? He saved their ass a lot versus Atletico Madrid. So he deserves a shout-out for this last game. But yeah, then Ferran Juclas there, a player who I... Highly rated. I thought we should have kept them at Barca. I thought he would have been serviceable for us, but apparently the club thought otherwise. But I think he's their top goal scorer, maybe a sister as well. I'm not sure, but he's got a man of the match. I think two games in a row in the Champions League. So, I mean, hopefully he comes back in the future if he continues this form. But yeah, Club Bruges, City, Bayern Munich, Napoli, and Real Madrid have all qualified already for a round of 16. Nice. Pretty good. 
that's very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. I remember from Club Rouge, man, the first time I heard about them was when United played them so many years ago. And I think United, you know, did go through and, but Club Rouge, they, they showed a lot of promise. And I slowly kept my eye on them. And yeah, I mean, right now, they're making history. Yeah. They're one of the best teams in Belgium. I think they won the Belgian Pro League last year. And for those of you that don't know a lot about the Belgian Pro League, it's a weird um, postseason. Like the top four, eight, they go into this mini little league and they play each other twice. And whoever gets the most points out of that, they win the league. It's just a really gruesome um, or grueling season to win. And it's a hard league to win, but now they've proven to do that. And they got one of... My favorite players from CONCACAF, Tejan Buchanan. You know, he rose up with the uh, New England Revolution a couple of years ago, moved over to Eng- to Europe, started playing really well. He plays really well for Canada. He's a part of that young Canadian team that's just so exciting. So, yeah, dude, Bruges is one to watch, watch out for in the knockout stage. Yeah. I mean, speaking of champions, I think Group D, the group with uh, Tottenham, Marseille, Sporting, and Frankfurt, I mean, dude, that group's still alive. Anyone can still qualify from that group. That group just looks. I don't know. I expect. I didn't expect Tottenham to run away with it, but I did expect them to be already qualified. I mean, I think we also got to talk about AC Milan. I mean, it's been another. They're still technically not eliminated yet, but it's been another disappointing run from them. I and mean, it looks like they're going to be eliminated. But just disappointing again in the Champions League. Yeah. That whole group E, they've been really disappointing. You know, Chelsea started off very poorly with Tuchel. They got Potter in, and they've picked up performances slightly. Salzburg, they're just always really steady and consistent in the group stage. You know, sometimes they make it out, sometimes they don't. But, yeah, it's another group to look out for. But, yeah, the knockout stage, it should be should be a fun one. I guess it's time for the truth. Christian, do you think Barcelona will qualify? Damn, dude. I like, what you, <laughs> I like your take that you told me, where you think that uh, we beat Bayern. No, Inter lose to Pleasant, but then we beat we lose to Bayern. That's how we get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. I can I can very much see that happening. I mean, look, I'd said after the first loss to Inter at Inter, you know what? We're gonna get Bayern and Inter at home at the camp now. It's a different game when it's at home. And then they went and drew. Probably should have lost against Inter at camp now. Um, I don't see them beating Bayern. And I'm being a thousand percent honest with myself. It's very little chance that. Barca make it out, so I'm going to say it's another year in the Europa League for us anyways. You all, though, as an outsider, how do, you, how do you see it? You know, based on what every football match has taught us, man, especially in these situations, is that it's possible. It's definitely possible. It, everything can go Barcelona's way, and we can potentially see them in, in the next round of the Champions League. But chances are, because of, of this crazy storyline, yeah, they're not going to complete it. I mean, me, I have a few. I, I just have a feeling. I can't explain it. You know, I just have a feeling that Inter are going to drop points versus Victoria Pilsen. And Barca, um, I don't know. I can't say. I can't really say. I, I, like, I just have a feeling Inter's going to drop points against Victoria Pilsen. 
But I, I just don't know if, Bayern, if Barca will pick up the points versus Bayern. Like, I just don't know. But I, do, I don't know why. I just have a feeling Inter's going to drop points versus Victoria. I think it's just because that's how Inter's been this whole season. I mean, I talked about it earlier. They're seventh in the Serie A. And they've just been real and consistent. I mean, they played, I think, if you ask the Inter fans, I think they played their two best games of the season versus Barca, which is, you know, is ridiculous. I, I mean, yeah, I think Inter will drop points versus Victoria Pilsen, but I don't know if Barca will take advantage of it. But um, speaking of that, I, I just thought of something else. Um, I was just thinking about, like, Inter, they, dude, like, if you think about it, like, all coaches, like Bayern, Nagelsmann was being questioned coming into the Barca game. You know, there was reports coming out that the dressing room wasn't happening and whatnot, and then a win versus Barca and everything calms down. And then same with Insagi, dude. He was on the verge of being sacked. I think even the their CEO had traveled down to uh, Milan to watch the game and then make a decision on him if he lost and sacked him. But, you know, it's just like these two Barca games have kept him alive. It's just crazy because... Those two coaches that have been on the ropes and Barca probably gives them life, which sucks. It sucks to see. You suck. Um, you hate to see it. As a Barca fan, at least. I mean, dude, this was me last season when I was saying, yeah, Barca's going to beat Benfica and make it out of the group stage last day. Nope. So I got a little hopes this season. But it would be great to see Barca go down the Europa League, win the Europa League, PSG win the Champions League. And then UEFA Super Cup next season. It's PSG versus Barca. Messi returns to the camp now. Or not the camp now, but you know, to his formal team. Mm-hmm. No, I just don't want to see PSG win a Champions League. I just dislike them so much. I don't want to see him win shit. I'd rather see... I don't know. I'd rather see Bayern win it or some shit. I just have a hatred towards oil clubs now. That... Mm. You know, the crazy thing is if Barca drops to the Europa League, they're not even favorites. I mean, you'd like to think with their squad and all the players that would be returning from injury, they'd be favorites, but they wouldn't even be favorites if they dropped down. I mean, it would be interesting. I'd like to see a Barca versus Arsenal matchup. I think that'd be a good match. Yeah. Yo, the Ballon d'Or happened today. We should probably mention that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, dude, Ballon <laughs> Yeah. Man, cue that cue that clip of I show speed getting Benzema on, on foot clubs. But no, yeah, congrats to Benzema, dude. I think well deserved. I think it's been a long time coming. The majority of fans were expecting this and majority of fans say what he he deserve it. I definitely think he does. But yeah, it's a it's good to see someone that unanimously by the fan base says that he deserves it, wins it. So congrats to Benjamin. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, we all pretty much unanimously agreed that Benzema deserved it. But do you guys think the rest of the order was correct? Like the other players that rounded out the, what is it, top 10, top 5? Hell no. So let let me just quickly read out the list. So Benzema won it, clearly. Second was Sadio Mane. Third was De Bruyne. Fourth was Lewandowski. Fifth was Salah. Sixth was Mbappe. Seventh was Courtois. Eighth was Vinicius. Ninth was Modric. And tenth was Holland. Um, Do you guys think that's correct? Or like, 
I guess I guess I'll say like this. G- give me your top five, or we all we all have Benzema as one. Give me the other four that you guys would have, and how you would rank them pretty well. So yeah, ben- Benjamin, numero one. Mm-hmm. I think secondly, I would have Sadio Mane there. He would definitely stay there for me. Um, you know what? Lewandowski third. And who was fourth? Lewandowski was fourth. The top five was Benzema, Mane, De Bruyne, Lewandowski, and Salah. Then De Bruyne. I mean, you don't have to rank them like that. If you think of another player that you're like, I'd rather ha- I'd have him here, and you can say that. Well, that's what I'm saying, because the point is, the guy's a production machine, man. He scores goals, he assists. You know, he comes in clutch multiple times. Consistency is king. I mean, yeah. Well, Lewandowski, Mane, De Bruyne, Salah, then, uh, then Lewandowski, and then uh, I don't know about the rest. You Christian. I mean, dude, honestly, last year was kind of hard to remember. I think definitely Lewandowski and De Bruyne deserve to be in second or third. Mane, I didn't feel like he did much last year for Liverpool. Uh, neither did Salah. I feel like they both kind of had like disappointing seasons to their standards. Uh, Mane probably had a little bit of a better season than Salah. But no, I think the top three definitely were uh, Lewa, De Bruyne, and and Benzema. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I'd go ben- Benzema first. Obviously, I think second. And I don't. I know people are gonna say it's Barca bias, but I would go Lewandowski. Uh, a third, I think I'd keep. No, third, I'd put Mane. Fourth, I'd put De Bruyne, and fifth, I would have actually put Benny. I think Benny deserved to be higher than eighth place. Nah, Leal's better. Leal was actually. <laughs> oh man, how long has that joke been going on, man? <laughs> this guy won't give it up, even though Vinny statistically was a better player. And I don't know. I don't know, man. Leal was up there for me, for sure. Leal was good. Yeah, but he, he got 15th place. I think. I know it's going to sound harsh. Because he's been going through a lot recently. But Holler at 13th, I don't think that's correct. Holler at 13th, I don't think... If you name the top 13 players last season, I don't think I would put him in that top 13. That's just how I see it. And I think that's probably the worst one they got. I think there was a lot better players than him that should have gone at 13th. Or even before him, like a lot of more players that deserve it than him that... I mean, he did have a good season. He was up there in the Champions League goal, and but I think him just playing in him not playing in the top five league is what hurt hurt his chances. Is what makes me not rate him as high as the thirteenth best player last year. So, yeah, but I, I I just think that's the worst one they got. I swear he he is going through a lot. He is going through a lot, but I yeah. I would rank him. At that level, thirteen, he did a fantastic job with Ajax. You know, before his move to Borussia, you know, I, I think he scored what four goals in t- in like two 
He scored four goals in a game in two Champions League games, something like that. Right? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> he he did he played a lot of crucial goals in for Ajax in that season. I mean, he did score a lot of... Uh, I think he was tied up there for the top UCL score. I think he was... I think Lewandowski was the top goal scorer. Like, was, no, it was Benjamin. And then Lewandowski. And then I think Halder. It, yeah, it's just, dude, it, he, he's not playing a top five league. That's what, you know, ruins it. Especially because he failed at West Ham, too. That's another thing that I just think, you know, maybe, maybe if he had started off hot at Dortmund, I would have been like, yeah, he was that playing up there. Dude. Unfortunately, you know, um, got diagnosed with, I forgot what it was, but it, it sucks he got diagnosed with it. So, yeah. It, um. Enough of that. I think the other one, the most controversial one, I think, was the Copa Trophy, which is awarded to the best under-21 player. And it was given to Gavi, a midfielder for Barca, you know? And uh, immediately oh, everyone was Gavi. Pissed. Yeah, Gavi. His real name is like Paco Paez Gaviria, but he just gets called Gavi or so shit. Yeah. I mean, immediately everyone was like, oh, uh, you know, this is Barca PR at full work and all this stuff. Everyone was just pissed because, you know, there was uh, people thought it was either Musiala or Jude Bellingham that was going to win it this year, but they didn't. And I think the important thing to remember about this one is that this one is voted by um, past Ballon d'Or winners. And it just so happens that a lot, a lot of the past Ballon d'Or winners are Barca. Our, our Barca fan players, so, I mean, yeah, it sucks, so that's what it is, but, yeah, um, j- just to name you guys the top five, Gavi, Camavinga, Musiala, Bellingham, and Nuno Mendes, um, thoughts, I guess, best way to say your thoughts on that, like, you guys think they got it right, who missed out, or, or what? Dude, I said this before, and I'll say it again. I think you big. I think you pay more credence to players that perform really well in underperforming teams versus those that perform well in teams that are surrounded by talent. You know, you look at Musiala, Bayern. He's just surrounded by world class players. Obviously, he's a great player in his own right. But you know, Gavi, Barca didn't have the best season last season. I'm not saying that he's deserved the award because I can see the argument for either Bellingham or Musiala, but I mean, he was one of the shining lights for Barca, the Spain national team, and to do what he did at such a young age, I uh, I can be swayed either way, but I don't know. It's 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 hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's a toss up. But I think you do have to give him credit for pretty much pulling a Barca side through some dark times. You know, when Pedri was injured, um, when there was no Messi, when uh, Depay and Aubameyang were injured. He was really the only consistent starter for Barca, so I think you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, I mean, and then just to add to that, we do have to remember that at this time last year, he was 17 doing all that stuff. You know, he was practically a starter for the Spain squad, a starter for Barca, and to be doing that at bar at 17 is amazing, um, which I think is what uh, I think that's what swayed a lot of people was the fact that he was 17 and doing all that. I think if he was 18, 19, 
then I think I think one of the, someone else would have won it. But I think it's the fact that he was so young and doing all that stuff is what swayed a lot of them. But yeah, I, I was on the boat. I thought it was going to be Musial or Bellingham that won it, but I guess not. But um, I guess I'll ask you the guys the same question. Um, what do you guys, do you guys do you guys think they got the top five right, or who do you guys think should be taken out and put in? Uh, and just to remind you guys, top five is Gavi, Camarina, Musiala, Bellingham, and Nuno Mendes. I think the only one that's a bit controversial is Mendes. Maybe you put uh, Shuomeni in there in fifth, but I can see the argument for Mendes as well. But yeah, I think uh, given the, especially the season he had last year for Monaco, I think he. I don't know if there's uh, another ranking, you know, if it goes all the way to, to 25, like the Ballon d'Or, but Mendes, I mean, not Mendes, excuse me, Shuomeni should definitely be in there. You only do top ten. Well, I don't know. Well, they just show me the top ten here, but um, I would actually disagree with you. I don't think Camavinga deserves second place. I think the only reason he put he got put there is he he did do good. He was a good player last year, but he wasn't a star like Gavi or anything. And in my opinion, he didn't have as much influence in that Real Madrid squad as some of these other players did. So, in my opinion, Gavi would be. First, because I'm just going to keep them there because he's already the winner. I think second, I put Bellingham. Third, I put Musiala. Fourth, I would put, um, I'd actually put Bukayo Saka there. And then fifth, I guess you could put Kamavinga. I could see the argument for a couple other players. But, uh, yeah, I think I'd fifth, I'd put Kamavinga. That'd be my top five. I just think Bukayo Saka being in eighth place, I think, was. I think it was rough on him because he was, I mean, we talked about it before. He was a crucial player for Arsenal. I mean, last season you would scroll like on Twitter and stuff and you just see like a lot of memes of like being like, dude, the only reason Arsenal's up is because of Sokka and all this stuff, you know, like Sokka was pretty much carrying the team in other words. So I think for him to be eighth place and have done all that, I think is a, I think is a bit of a, a bit of a sham. Oh yeah. I forgot about Sokka. Definitely deserves to be in top five. I would have put what's in there. I would have put Florian Wirtz there if he didn't get injured. But he got injured, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, with these award ceremonies, you always, you know, there's a lot of controversy that comes and a lot of talking points. But that's why podcasts like this exist to give us an outlet to talk about it. So, congrats to Benzema, congrats to Gavi, and everyone else that is doing well around the world of football. I mean. Y'all got anything else you want to say? I mean, we're a bit over an hour now. Uh, are we going to do the Premier League pick them or not? I say let's just do that on our own. You know, just make sure you get your picks in. But we don't have to include it in the podcast this week. Y'all cool with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know all those. Team one, play. Oh, yeah, he is. What'd you say, Aldo? The Seaway. Okay, plus. Yeah, get y'all's picks in. Uh, there's Just remember there's one for midweek and then one for the weekend, so do both. But yeah, guys, that's going to do it for us here on 90 and 60+. plus. Good to be back after a week off, and hopefully we're more consistent from here on out. We'll be back next week, and make sure you guys follow us on our socials, and you guys, sub- the, what's it called, subscribe, follow, whatever it is to the podcast, wherever you get it. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Adios. Yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Always appreciate you guys. Have a good one.